welcome to the Race FF podcast. I am your host, Jaime Garcia, and today, guys, we have a monster in the garage. We have a beast of a person. I have been following this person, man, for a while now, and you know, I work so hard on my car, and it looks so crappy. And to see somebody work so hard on their car, and the car looks dope it's freaking wild to me so i mean this person has been shaking up uh honda challenge over in northeast um this season and has been really pushing his program and it it shows there's a lot of killers out there and this is just one of the uh, one of the many killers out there i want to say his last name but I, I'm I'm gonna butcher it. So, Track Monsters, welcome to the podcast. Thank you for coming in here, Mister Vodak, 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 Vodak. There we yeah. go. Ah, I was there close. you go. There I was you go. Close. <laughs> <laughs> you had it. Oh man! Thank you for having me, dude. It's a pleasure. I've been looking forward to this for a good while. I mean. Your Integra, your Prelude, your father's well, Prelude, um, uh, the DA, the S2000. Um, I mean, the the article you did on the Maxxis RC ones, and um, I mean those tires always uh, hold a special place in my heart because when I was starting out, like that's kind of the first R comp that I started messing around with, and you know they they get a little bit of a bad rap, so. Um, mm-hmm. I, once I saw somebody actually like put information down and say like, you know what, this is what they actually do and what they don't do. I mean, I, I've, I've had close friends of mine not believe that you could take out a car on RC ones and they'll like actually turn laps. Are they the fastest? Probably not, but they're still goddamn good for what they are. Yeah. Well, they're, they're a tough tire to to master because they have to be managed um you know in, in st fog which is the class i ran last year we had a lot of strong competitors and you know on any given day we were just tenths of a second apart which separated like the top four people mm-hmm. and we were all running sticker hoosiers and it was just one of those things where we were just like dumping so much money into these r7s and mm-hmm. if you didn't show up with stickers given the field was so tight you know you weren't going to be on the podium that you weren't going to be winning. So um, if you came this like game of who's got the deeper pockets and can bring those stickers every event. So I decided that I was going to kind of go away from that because it wasn't sustainable. Mm-hmm. You know, and especially in a class like ST5, which is, you know, it's, I mean, you can consider it a budget class. Mm-hmm. And um, I was reading the rules up and down and I was going, Oh my gosh, like, Toyos apparently aren't competitive. You know, mm. they're saying the Maxes aren't competitive. But then I saw a couple of time trial guys doing pretty well in RC1s. And I had a few conversations. Um, and I decided to just go for it. And, um, I mean, what's the worst that's going to happen? Mm-hmm. I'm going to learn something, you know? Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I I, uh, I put them on. And I was just blown away at how quickly they fire right from the beginning dude i mean yeah. there's like no warm-up necessary yeah. i mean i was no warm-up you can go full send with that tire and it was just amazing but the problem is and i, I realized this halfway through the race because 
<laughs> the fall off is very aggressive. <laughs> yeah. And with the Hoosier, it's like, you know, if they start getting hot, you kind of feel that little bit of a slide. You're like, okay, let me dial it back. You know, it's not so drastic. But with the RC one, it's like you hit this cliff and it just falls off the cliff. So you have to be very careful in managing the tire. But if you can master that, if you can read that tire, then you can keep it alive and be really fast. And I think I ended up um, actually resetting the track record um, on that on that weekend that I mm-hmm. ran the, uh, the RC once. That was on like on heat cycle 14 or something like that. Which <laughs> I, I and they like, last no, forever. Was... That's the other they... thing. Last forever. They do. And I still have those tires. And they still <laughs> look new. <laughs> Dude, I, uh, I, I'm a big fan of those tires for like people who are doing uh TT. I'm like, Dude, uh, you could get so much life. Like, I had one set for an entire season, and they were good. Like, they were still good. And, yeah, I remember um, I took out um, pretty much the guy who started me um, road racing and started me in NASA, uh, my buddy uh, John Lindemann. Um, I took him out in my Silver Civic on like this really hot day over at uh button willow and i had those tires on and they weren't even new like the the fronts were like heat cycled by like four or five times and the rears were like over six years old but they still had the maxis little stamp on the inside groove and we went out there and he was just like what he's like i've heard people just trash these tires up and down and he's like i'm with you he's like dude you're going through those corners i don't know how you could go any faster than that and he's like man like first lap out there first corner just like boom it they they act kind of like a 200 uh treadwear tire where you push on them right away and they're there where mm-hmm. you know when i yeah. jumped on the toyos it, uh, i had to learn i had to learn a lot <laughs> Yeah, yeah, no, for sure. And uh, there are also two compounds that the oh, RC yeah. ones uh, come with. So there's an older compound, which I think a lot of people tried, and they didn't like that one. And now there's a V2, mm-hmm. which is the one that I tried. And I think that one's a lot different because mm-hmm. from the people – I never ran the old one. But from I the people both. I talked to that ran both, they say that the second one is a lot better than it the last one. It is better. One, so. Yeah, yeah. I, I ran the V2 in the front and the V1 in the rear because I had them left over. And I'm like, I'm not going to waste good tires. Uh, <laughs> Maxis strongly recommends not to do that, but the car handled well. I was, I was good. <laughs> yeah, that's an interesting combination. <laughs> a little, little oversteer? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I run a weird setup on my heavy... Um, uh ace gen so i ran like a 255 front with a 235 rear and yeah it it, it was working for me i I don't have a big rear sway bar i have the oem bar so it it felt all right i mean i'm not the fastest out there i'm i consider myself like fairly a little bit above average um in terms of pace so yeah i i think i did all right Still have, you have more. a similar setup to what I do. So I run a 235. Um, well, actually, an H1, I ran a 255 in the front and a 225 in the rear. Mm-hmm. Um, and now I run a 235 in the front and a 225 in the rear only because that's what I have to work around the H2 rule. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. 
And, uh, well, they got to slow all. you down somehow, man. <laughs> you can't be sweeping every race. Don't put me on 205s. <laughs> oh, man. So we were talking, and obviously people are that know the podcast and have seen uh, me share a lot of your content will be like, oh, well, obviously this guy's winning. His car is, like, super nice. He's probably dumped a boatload of money and just built it in the past couple of years. But that's not really the story of the Integra that you're running right now. So yeah, bring us, bring us to the beginning of your Integra build and where it actually started and where were you financially i mean you were probably just raking in the money buying like a full clean type r yeah okay so um after college i graduated uh during the the housing crash and uh i was i went to school in in new hampshire and there really weren't that many job opportunities up here so i looked down uh, i had a couple of friends in texas and they told me to come down there. They can uh, they can get me in at a at a dealership down there. Which, uh, I started working for a Lexus dealership as a cashier, no. just to get my foot in the door. And uh, money was tight, but I knew I wanted to race. I actually raced uh, back in 2002 and 2000. I'm sorry, 2000. Yeah, 2002 to 2004 with my father. And then when I started going to college, I I stopped because I had to. I pick and choose priorities, I guess. Mm-hmm. And um, so I hadn't been racing for a while, and I moved down to Texas. I knew I wanted to race again, so I had no money, and uh, I saved just a little bit. I think I saved two thousand dollars, and I found this green Integra, this GSR, that was absolutely molested. I mean, these <laughs> kids. I contacted. It had, it had a good engine, though. Um, these kids went on the highway they didn't latch the hood down properly and it came oh. up and it crushed the roof oh, um no. it shattered the windshield somehow they managed to to i don't know to remove i don't know what happened to the bumper but it was held on by a rope <laughs> <laughs> and it looked like a disaster but i saw the engine like okay he's got a gsr and there we're good um <laughs> so i think i paid two thousand dollars for it the interior was disgusting it was like the, i don't know that looked like brown and Interior. Oh, you had and the the old man uh Florida retirement home uh, gold interior that, that like oh the, boy. That's the one, yeah. And it was so bad. It was so bad. I was, I remember I was able to stick my hand between the sunroof and the and the roof because when the hood came up it oh. crushed the roof down so bad. <laughs> and um I, I pulled it in my garage and I'm looking at it. I said, like, what did I just do? You know, you bought a and, GSR. Um, that's what you did. You, you won. <laughs> yeah, I know, yeah. I don't know about winning, but I got something right to start with. And um, so I didn't know how to do any body work. I really didn't do too much electrical back then. I mean, I literally learned everything that I know on this car because that's everything awesome. was the first. So, like the first thing I did was um, I tried. I did the body work on on the roof, and I remember I took a jack and a piece of plywood, which I wedged in in, in the inside of the car, in the center console, and I was just jacking it up, <laughs> trying to straighten the <laughs> the roof skin. And I, you know, looking back at it, I'm like, oh my god, why did I do that? But um, I fixed I fixed the roof and I put the car together a little bit, you know, and slowly I just started to replace pieces, you know, here and there, and the car made its way. Um, back up to um to to new york to the east coast 
uh, because I was actually transitioning to a new job in California. And uh, I actually had the time to, to paint the car up here. My father helped me with that. So we sat in the entire car, did some loft body work, and then painted it white. And it looked like a car. Nice. And, um, yeah, so I went to, went to California for a few years. We did some, um, some engine upgrades with my buddy Derek, uh, who moved up there with me. And um, we spent, I mean, so many nights just disassembling engines and just building Frankensteins. And um, we were doing some, some street racing back then. Um, and eventually, um, I went online and I, I found this, uh, this club called VTech Club. Mm-hmm. And um, I think it was their first season. It was back in 2015, I believe. Oh, wow. Um, yeah, that was probably yeah. when they were starting out. They were just starting out, yeah. And uh, so it, I made it into a time attack car. And then I learned so much out there because I didn't know much about suspension setups. I didn't know anything about aero. I didn't have any aero, never ran aero. Mm-hmm. You know, so I saw, I was observing all these cars out there. And I was like, oh my gosh, look, they're all running aero. Okay, I got to get a wing. And you know, so I got myself an, uh, a, you know, APR wing and then uh, I built myself a custom splitter. You know, and everything was a first. It was just so exciting because every piece that I put on the car, it, made it a little bit quicker and mm-hmm. I can see it in the, in the lap times. So one of the tracks that I went to the most was big willow. Oh, and, um, yeah. Yeah. So we were doing streets of willow, we did big willow. Um, I did button willow, Sonoma, Thunder Hill. Well, was your lap yeah, time a, a, a big willow? If you don't mind me asking or if you even remember. Oh gosh. Um, I would have to go back. Um, I don't remember from the top of my head. This yeah. is a long time. I can, you know what? I can probably find out because I did message <laughs> somebody uh, not long ago about that. Hmm. But I'll, yeah, I'll let you know before the end of the podcast. <laughs> I'm sure, I'm sure I'll find it somewhere. <laughs> yeah, because I mean uh, that's I re- one one of the tracks where I I feel like it's kind of underutilized by a lot of the organizations out here. Not a lot of people run Big Willow, but mm-hmm. I feel like. With a well set up car, you can, um, and a very committed driver, you can do such a fast lap time. I feel like Big Willow really does, um, like it, it does help out those uh, reward drivers who are very committed into the corners because that whole complex between eight and nine and also one and two, like you can. Yeah you can lose so much speed or you can gain so much speed through those sections that it's, it's pretty wild. I have seen people fall victim to turn nine. Many oh times. yeah. Like that I, was a scary corner. I, I mean, I, I, I forget who it is, but I remember one of those, uh, automobile journalists or whatever said the turn nine is the scariest corner in like North America for, uh, tracks and whatnot. And I, I agree. It's, if you haven't uh, dealt with it, it, it's, it does everything you don't want a corner to do. High speed, late apex, apex at the corner exit almost. And yeah, yeah it's, it's wild. Yeah, no, for, for sure. Um, I, you know, the, my favorite track out there was Chuck Walla. I have not done Chuck Walla. It's kind of a running gag that I do uh, with everyone uh, who comes on here from like Mid Atlantic or Texas, Texas particularly, because 
they they tow so far and i'm like i just haven't been to chukwala because it's so far it's like a three-hour drive <laughs> oh that's it <laughs> yeah that's it i'm sure you've talked to some of the east coast people here and oh, asked yeah. them how many uh how many hours they travel yeah like oh. uh like leland like leland and, and brandy you know they're coming from from up north and i mean their their trip is just absolutely insane i don't know if it's like eight hours or six hours you know but they come down you know almost to every event especially new jersey mm-hmm. um and yeah long hauls and then for uh, for me i work in manhattan so our cars are in pennsylvania so i don't get to work on my cars during the week i only get to work on the weekends and which is a kind of it's it's a big obstacle because i used to be able to have the luxury of just you know finishing work and mm-hmm. walk into my garage and do some work during the weeks and then have the weekends off for the wife you know we can do mm-hmm. whatever you know, we need to do but you know here it's like you're only restricted to the to the weekend so we have the uh the garage two hours from the city wow so when it, during a race event we have to drive two hours to go pick up the cars um in pennsylvania and then we have to drive to, to the event that we're going to. So, um, so that's like another like, hour. No, it's like, <laughs> all right. For, for the Glen, it's, um, three hours Jesus. for uh, New Jersey. Uh, it's three and a half hours. Lime Rock is two and a half hours. You know, if we were doing Palmer, that's like three to four hours, wow. you know? So every, that's that's from Pennsylvania. That's not including the two hours we have to go to Pennsylvania to pick up. So the that's cars. on top of your commute yeah. to get the cars. Yeah. And yeah. on the way back, when you're exhausted on Sunday, when you've been out yeah. in the sun all day, we got to come back, drop the cars off in Pennsylvania, and then drive back to the city. So yeah, yeah so we have some. Big Willow is about fifty-five minutes for me. Um, Button Willow is probably like an hour and twenty. Auto Club is about. Just over an hour. And yeah, Chuck Wallace just too far, man. It's just three hours. How would you expect someone to do that? Like this wild. <laughs> I, I, I am super spoiled and I, I, I don't apologize for that. I, I'm very lucky to be where I am and um yeah. So <laughs> I think it's a good thing I'm not that close to the racetracks. Mm-hmm. I've spent way too much time there. Mm-hmm. You know, at least right now, it's like, okay, it's a three-hour drive. All right, maybe I'm not going to do every event. But, um, I, yeah, I was going down to those events on the West Coast from uh, from Central Valley. Central so, Valley? Bro, yeah. that, that is a brutal heat right there. That is, yeah. that is brutal heat. Like, for those that don't yeah, know, California isn't all, like, West Coast, uh, like, the coastal cities that you hear about, the Venice or whatever. You get into the Central Valley, man. It is. It feels like you're in a different freaking state because it's it's like the heat, the the dry wind, the gust, and it's just woof. It, it can be brutal. Yeah, it wasn't fun. The drives <laughs> weren't that fun either, all the way from over there. But um, you mean the scenic uh, five freeway is not a beautiful freeway to go on for five and a half hours <laughs> for any reason? No. Yeah. Oh man, the It's like, oh, there's where they're filming uh, Breaking Bad. Oh, that's where they're filming Breaking Bad again. <laughs> that's pretty much what it is. Yeah, I should have been living in the, you know, in Southern California. 
yeah i didn't know that when i when i moved there i was just going there for work and i ended up in northern california i had to commute i had to drive all the way down south for all the events i said oh my god yeah that's rough what do i do yeah. So you picked up the car well, over in Texas, you mm-hmm. move, move all the way to the East Coast, and now you're back with your dad and finally like starting to build the car up. And uh, where do you actually end up racing it first? Um, in well, the East Coast. Obviously, you were doing like VTech Club and uh, Time Attack yeah. stuff over here. Yeah. When I, when I brought it here, I had... I had a K20 that was like half half installed. I mean, the engine was in the engine bay, but then I didn't have all, all the other stuff mm-hmm. installed yet. So just the engine and motor mounts. So it was like an unfinished project. So when I when I came here, my father had the the DA Integra sitting there, and he had done a few few track days with it. He says, you know, why don't you uh, take it out and you know let's have some fun. So we went and we went uh, to do a honda challenge one event is in 2019 mm-hmm. and it was i think it was the glen yeah it was the glen and i remember just seeing all the faces that i've been following on social media you know and i was like oh that's him that's his name that's that's jose this, you know and mm-hmm, uh mm-hmm. so i i knew of all the people that just nobody knew me mm-hmm. and uh, it was just such an exciting event because uh, i finally got to race a honda in like a honda class mm-hmm. and uh i yeah, I realized that the car had no pace <laughs> compared to everybody <laughs> else in H1. Um, you know, it was, it was the three of us. It was Jose, Jackie, and then and then myself, I think, in H1. I don't know if there were a few other people um, mm-hmm. as well. But um, I remember just Jose and Jackie just, like, checking out. And I was like, okay, I have a lot of work to do. And then that event, I went through – I'm not even kidding. I think I went through six axles. Jesus. And I heard going in that Watkins Glen is an axle killer, but I didn't realize the extent or like how serious people were because we went there with stock axles. They weren't vented. I don't even know what grease was in them. I mean, it, it was just, <laughs> but the, the DA had some, some speed on the straightaways that it's never seen before. So, you know, I think I went out for, for practice and then I just saw a puff of smoke and that's when that, that boot just, you know, separated the grease went all over the engine. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, what is that? And then next thing you know, the steering wheel's vibrating, so I pull it in. We we did like three trips to the parts store, to like a local parts store to pick up axles for that thing. Oh, and uh, it was so frustrating. And then finally, you know, all the, the guys that I mean, I asked the guys, hey, I like what's the solution for this? And they finally pointed me in the right direction. They're like, okay, well you need this grease and you need to vent it with the uh, with a straw, you know. Oh and, the uh so, the what is it, the WD forty straw, slide that sucker in and yeah. Yeah, and it's these little things and pointers that went such a long way and I really appreciate mm-hmm. it till this day because some series they won't help you out, you know. Mm-hmm. And that's when I really fell in love with Honda Challenge is because everybody was so willing to share information and, and um help you know their fellow competitors off the track which was just fantastic so that's kind of what would um kind of drew me in and um that was the my first experience um with uh with honda challenge and i came back for new jersey the event the following event after that and uh it was like it was raining like like crazy Mm -hmm. i remember my windshield fogged up so bad 
that I couldn't see. So I had to like loosen my, my belt a little bit. And I was just wiping the windshield with my glove <laughs> as far as I could reach. And I, after the event, I had this huge bruise on my, on my, uh, on my chest from like just reaching, reaching and, you know, in. Oh, with the belt boy. just digging into me. <laughs> oh, and uh, I, and I struggled through that whole event and I actually won the race. And I was just like, Oh my gosh, this is the hardest race I've <laughs> ever been in. And it was, it was just a great experience. And then mm-hmm. I was just, I was, I was hooked to, to NASA Northeast. So, um, I came back, uh, the next year and then the next year I didn't run Honda challenge. Actually, I ran, um, ST five mm-hmm. because my dream for, for years and years was to, to race an S 2000. Like that was my, I mean, I, I love the S 2000 when it first came out. I mean, it was like for all of us Honda nerds, it's like, we finally have a quote unquote true sports car. And dude, to me, like that, that still is like a pinnacle of the cars that I would love to own one day and drive and race and whatnot. So I feel like I got it wrong. Hold on. Actually, hold on one second. I got it wrong. What? In 2019, I ran the DA, and then I ran the the Integra, the, the DC2, in the year after that, in, in 2020. Hmm. I ran the whole season of, of H1. Oh. With the with the DA with the with the with the K slop and the and the DC. So oh okay okay. And if you know, like you know, people joke about this like kill me K slop thing that Jackie started. Oh um, yeah. It is. It is a thing. And <laughs> I'm not looking forward to it, man. Uh, uh, like part of me is like excited to have a uh, torque. Um, but the other side of me is like, man, like this D series literally got me from freaking Washington state to SoCal to every single one of my races. And even when it like, you know, failed out on, on the track, it still got me back home and, Oh man, just like all the little things, all the little fidgety things that can fail on those uh, K series is is it's kind of scary. You know, I've I haven't had a problem recently, but in the beginning, I mean, I had a lot of things that went wrong mm-hmm. that probably shouldn't have. Um, I had like a coolant neck that uh, that got loose on me during my first event that I did with that engine, and I blew it up. Mm. I blew up the engine in the first event, and uh, yeah, the coolant, this swivel neck that I that I bought, and somehow it got loose. I don't know how, but uh, the coolant uh, left the the system. I don't no have coolant a in coolant the... pressure. So... Yeah, I didn't have a coolant pressure gauge, uh, which would have told me that I lost coolant pressure. Um, and yeah, it it just kind of seized up on me on the second race. So what was this the solution? A, you just went to like an OEM one or? No, I actually kept it, um, but I used Loctite and then I was very, very careful on, on getting it tight and torquing it properly. And I haven't had a problem since, but it was just like, I don't know if it was an error, you know, my end or mm-hmm. what happened, but somehow I blew up the first one oh, um, right off the bat. And then I had it rebuilt. I bought it. We bought a new head. Um, and I did Watkins Glen with it, which it ran so nice. I, I mean, the transmission going from a B series transmission mm-hmm. to a cable, like 
K series transmission. Oh, because you were nuts. You were on a cable. You weren't on a hydraulic one with the DA, right? I, I was on a yeah. I was on a cable. Mm-hmm. Oh wow! I was on, I was on, well, it was a cable clutch with a, just a rod, you know. Yeah, it was, yeah, a, yeah. It, was a, it was a Type R uh, engine, so you have a rod, you know, uh, you know, shifter, and then just going to a cable shifter and an extra gear, which is another thing. You gotta oh yeah, yeah process right. that in your brain for like a few races before you figure it out. I got confused. I think the first like two <laughs> events that I did. Whether I was in fourth, fifth, or sixth, because I mean, my brain has been just used to uh, five-speed transmission for mm-hmm. years, and um, I was just blown away how easy it was to shift gears. I was just so excited, I was like, "Wow, this is great. <laughs> you know, this, this just feels different, and it feels so much better." Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so I did. Yeah, so I did the walking fun of it, and then like then after that, I blew the engine again. Oh boy, and. We have no idea what happened. And this was at Palmer. Mm-hmm. And it was a regular session. I went out, I warmed the car up, and under D cell, not at a high RPM range or anything like that, under D cell, it just blew up. Hmm. And I still don't know till this day what happened, but it blew wow. a huge hole in the front. So, like, now I'm, Oof. you know two engines down in like three events and i was ready to light the thing on fire to be honest and yeah. you know these it's the k20rs like the k28 type r from the dc5 in japan mm-hmm. so those things are really really expensive so i don't know how much i paid for it but it's like you know somewhere around like five grand Jesus. engine so it got real expensive that year and so i almost started yeah so you went through two of them so uh, obviously we're we're talking about like big boy money but you know i i i I think your story and my story have uh, a little bit of a similar part in the sense that back when you were in texas not making any money and being broke and working on your car i mean i think that touches on so much of how like i started and i wanted to know like obviously we have like parts that we want to put on our cars and i'm sure you had like a laundry list of things that you wanted to do with the dc um too but when you were at your brokers what did you have like a moment where you just like because i don't know like for me when when i was in college and just like working on the car i i knew i was broke but it never really dawned on me how broke I was. There was like a one situation where I realized how broke I was. But did you ever have that like moment where you're like with your car and you're like, oh, I'm going to do all these things. And then you get hit with like a dose of reality of how broke you were. I knew how broke I was from the beginning. <laughs> you know, I was super realistic. I just wanted the car to drive straight have some decent tires on it, you know, Mm -hmm. and and just pull it together. Um, I wanted to go to a track and just be able to, I didn't really care how it looked or if the body Mm -hmm. panels matched, but I did know that eventually, I mean, I had a vision for the car. Yeah. Um, I, I kind of knew what I wanted it to look like. Mm -hmm. Um, 
I know I, I knew I wanted to experiment with arrow. So eventually I wanted a wing and then a splitter, you know, but obviously back then I knew realistically what I can afford and I barely was able to afford to buy the car. So, um, it took probably two or three years just to, yeah, three years just to get the car on a track. Mm. You know, and I was, yeah, like I said, I was working as a cashier at the time and, um, still having to pay rent on a, on a small apartment that had a garage mm-hmm. and no, no real tools or anything to, you know, work in the car properly. So, yeah, I mean, that's just, that's, that's how it is. You know, I was, I was, uh, just, you know, I was there for the long run. I knew it was going to take years and I was okay with that. Yeah. I mean, like when you're passionate about a, a thing like that, it's like, especially building up a car and since you have a nice platform of the gsr which are still a great chassis like all around with the engine and transmission package that they come in with i mean it it makes it really hard to kind of give up on that and you know you have the benefit of your dad being involved in racing previously so you knew that these cars can be very capable so Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, like, I, I, I've i gone through a bunch of different Hondas, and, um, you know, I I loved every single one of them, and I, I worked so hard to the best of my knowledge um, on every single one of them, and yeah, there were just moments where, you know, I, I was just, like, stupid broke, and I couldn't... Um, you know, go out or buy dinner for the girl that I was dating at the time. And just like, uh, like that, I'm, I'm, I still have that dream that this is going to happen one day. And, you know, look at you now. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm out there doing the same thing, like trying my best to get the car, um, set up and racing and, uh, trying to build up every day or every, uh, event, you know, slowly improving, but you know, like, just like you, I, I kind of build it all up um, with the help of everyone else, like you guys from Northeast. And, um, yeah, it, it's just wild to to think that, you know, like when I was, like, scraping things together that I'd be at this point. Like, uh, I'm sure there's – you've had a couple moments like that where you just realize of, like, where, are you, where you are versus where you came from. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the, the, I really enjoyed the the journey of of you know the last ten years. Um, if somebody had given me keys to a brand new race car, you know, back then and say, "Here, go racing," I mean, that's great, but I wouldn't have, you know, appreciated everything mm-hmm. the way I do, you know, now. And I wouldn't have learned as much either because, I mean, in the beginning when you're racing a car that isn't set up properly. Mm-hmm. I mean, the, the rate in which you're learning is just exponential. You mm-hmm. know, it's like you're having to drive this disaster <laughs> on track and you're having to survive and just figure it out somehow. And it's just this experience. It's like, you, you know, you finally get a good suspension and you're like, Whoa, I mean, what was I doing? You know, but at least you got to experience what a bad suspension feels like or what a stock suspension feels like versus, you know, a, a better one. Mm-hmm. And then 
I could have sworn I had the best suspension ever because the best I've ever had the opportunity of driving. And then I learned a few more things and then I changed that suspension. I changed mm -hmm. the spring rate and then I progressed a little bit more. And then, you know, it's just, it's so fun learning. And that's what I love about racing is because no matter how much you learn, mm -hmm. and no matter how many years you've been in the sport, you never stop learning. And the more exactly. that I learn, the more that I feel like I don't know. Um, and it's, it's just this beauty of just, it, there's no limit. Mm -hmm. There is absolutely no limit to, to what you can take and what you can improve because there's always something to improve. And it's not the car, it's yourself. And, mm -hmm. um, it's like this, it's the, enjoy the process, no matter where you are in that, in that pro in that journey, you know, it was the beginning or the end. I mean, mm -hmm. once, you know, my car is now pretty developed, mm -hmm. but I look back and it's just like, wow, like that was really cool. You know, I, I, <laughs> I'm I'm happy I did it that way. Um, yeah, I mean, like we were we were talking uh, before the park. Uh, sorry, uh, before the podcast started about like you know doing the 99 things that are wrong so that you land on the one that is right. And I mean, it reminds me of my first uh, race when I went out there on the tires that were just like the wrong size for the EG, and it just. Um, first turn ever i mean I've, I've been instructing with students and you know i felt like i have a good understanding of what i'm doing and first freaking major uh turn i 360 the car out into the dirt and i'm like what the hell happened versus now the car feels so much better it feels so much more composed knowing what tires to run and that's thanks to like chris michaels and just listening to a lot of people's information and trying to figure things out on um, how it's going to work for my disaster of a setup. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's a lot of trial and error uh, mm -hmm. in the end, you know, I mean, we have so much information now. we have Instagram and social media and mm -hmm. there's so many different builds that people, um, you know, like Eric Gutio, you know, he shares oh, a lot yeah. of his information. Um, you know, there are a lot of people like that that share just a ton of information. And if you're starting out in the with the Honda scene or any car, I mean, there's so much you can learn from other people. Mm -hmm. um, and there's such a ton of information. We didn't have this uh, oh, 10 years ago. No, you know, like we, we were did talking not. about, we had like the Honda tech forums, <laughs> you know, and then we had some other sources. But I mean, it, it just it wasn't what it is today. And people no. have people know they're talking about, to be honest, so. <laughs> Yeah, so, so much misinformation that people will tell you the worst way of setting up a car, having it like super tail happy to the point where the driver can't even like stay on the gas mid corner because the car is spinning out. So, yeah, yeah like I I've seen people give like advice where I'm just like, bro, you're, you're going to get someone hurt. <laughs> like, Jesus, what are you doing? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And you can tell which people knew what they were talking about and which ones were just, you know, kind of just thought they knew what they were talking about or trying mm. to sound, you know, intelligent. I don't know. But um yeah, I mean what we have available today is just a, a you know, a, a gift for anybody who's starting out. Um and I would use it. I would use all that information because there is I've learned a ton of things off of um, other you know competitors or other people with similar mm -hmm. builds 
And I'm glad I didn't have to make the mistake or, you know, unnecessarily buy something that wouldn't work in the end. So, I mean, it's just, it's fantastic. If anybody's getting, you know, starting out now, I mean, it's a great time. Yeah, because like when you and I started off, we we came out in the time of the forums, the Honda Techs and whatnot. And in order to get like seniority or believe that you had good information, you would look at the post count or how how high up this person was. And if they posted Mm -hmm. a lot, they'd be really high up. And you're like, oh, man, this guy must know what he's talking about. (laughs) And then you go out to the racetrack and you just talk to the one guy who's actually been winning and you tell him what you've heard online. And they're like, what the hell are you talking about? Yeah, like, I I don't know. Like, there's been this over, um, I, I think there's this over, like, I don't know how to explain it. Maybe it's like an old wives' tale that like front wheel drive cars just understeer horrifically. And I'm like, I don't know, man. Like, I think even they don't like, have to. They they don't really do that that bad. Not I've never been in a car where it's like really understeering really bad. I, I maybe I'm not driving it to the limit or what have you, but like. This this uh this fascination where people want to make their cars like completely loose, it, mm-hmm. I I just I just don't see it. And I mean I've seen people out on track with like fairly mild builds going super fast and getting rotation. So I'm I'm always kind of like wondering where these people come up with uh oh you need to put the biggest rear sway bar, um really staggered setup and then just like a ridiculous amount of spring rate and you'll be fine on these like uh street tires it's like wait what (laughs) no this guy's gonna hurt himself like maybe an r comp maybe an r comp but dude not on a street tire you're gonna you're gonna overheat those things and you're gonna spin yeah yeah I mean, everybody has a you know particular driving style. Mm-hmm. You know, no two drivers are going to be the same, so they're yeah. You know what they what they prefer is going to be a little bit different. No, but, for sure. Um, and also, you know, depending on where you are in your driving, you know, mm-hmm. ability. If you're if you're a rookie or if you're an advanced driver, usually if with rookies you want a little bit of an understeering car mm-hmm. because the last thing you want is the rear end to come out on you unexpectedly and not knowing yeah. what to do in that situation. But you know, the way I set up my car is um, very neutral to so maybe slightly understeering, mm-hmm. um, only because I anticipate once the front tires get a little bit warmer, mm-hmm. it, they will start to slide a little bit more. So I have a little bit more oversteer in the beginning when the car is cold, but then mm-hmm. as the tires heat up and I get to race pace, you know, and I'm like maybe like, I don't know, four or five, six laps into the race, that's when the car becomes really neutral and, and really nice to to pitch around and I can, I'm just turning the car with throttle. I don't even turn the car with the steering wheel that much. And um, uh, from the videos I've seen, like your car is hooked up in the corners. It like the way your car changes direction is really impressive. Like even at race starts, like I, I can see that, that, you know, as someone who's driven cars and driven a lot of front wheel drive cars, you become very sensitive to how a, car reacts on turning in like mid corner track out you're just like whoa okay that 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 car's hooked up or you're like oh this one's could use a little bit more so 
yeah, I, I think you got I, I think you got a really hot setup in there, and I mean it shows. Yeah, it's it's been working out really well. We came in with a little bit different setup than on the challenge two was was uh, was running at mm-hmm. the time because I think we're I don't know if we're the first ones in NASA Northeast to show up with seven teams, mm-hmm. um, but I was told it wouldn't work, mm-hmm. and um, you know I I knew it worked for me in H one, so I kind of just took what what I learned in H one or what I felt in H mm-hmm. one, and uh, kind of applied it to to H two and. It worked really, really well. Yeah, because um, I think yeah. uh, another person who ran um, 17s was uh, Jackie. And um, I remember, I, I think it's the difference between the DC and the EG chassis. Like, yeah. the the 17s just, I, I, I think there's just not enough room in the front as, a, as there is in the DC. And, um, you know... She ended up uh, running um, the 15s, and it works uh, good for her setup. So, you know, mm-hmm. it, it it goes back to what you were saying. Um, you know, that's you, you got to go with what you're comfortable with. And um, at, the end of the, at the end of the day, that's going to be the uh, right setup for you. And if, I mean, you, you get to show with uh, your current standings, which if I don't, Make a mistake. I think your current standing in uh, Northeast is second place behind by a point. A yeah, behind Lee. Pull. Yeah, by a point. A point. If you want to yeah. know how hotly contested that series is, a point separates one and two. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And we have we have a lot of you know fast drivers. I mean, oh yeah, Lee's I'm, been. Lee's been killing it. He's coming from uh, the championship, you know, last year, and he won Rookie oh, yeah. of the Year. And he's just, he gets faster every round. I mm-hmm. mean, you can just tell, like, he's just, he's just getting, he's just learning and learning and just, he's picking pace. You know, Mark Diaz, same Mark thing. Mark Diaz, you know, yeah. Ever, yeah. They're, they're just getting quicker and quicker. And it's just amazing. It's just, uh, you know, I don't know how long I have before <laughs> they, uh, <laughs> they start hammering me, but um, yeah, it's, um, just super talented people and uh, really nice people. I mean, they're just the personalities here. Is oh, just, yeah, um, unbelievable. The camaraderie off track. Uh, it's it's just I've I've never seen it. So yeah, I mean, obviously I don't have a horse in the race, but if I could, it'd probably be Dylan for for that guy. But yeah, I mean, <laughs> <laughs> those that know know about the horse in the race <laughs> but yeah no i mean all of them are killers i mean within the top five like if you make a mistake in one corner those top five people i mean you look at your lap times they're not that far off of each other and if you lose a second or two you're you're gonna fall behind like three or four places because it, it's it's rough out there it's yeah everybody out there is good quick and they all have well set up vehicles yeah oh yeah um yeah i mean just that line rocking in the last event i mean mm-hmm. i think the first day we were spread between like a 102 103 i think it was like a second you know most people were within like one second of each other i remembered people commenting on how close everybody was mm-hmm. um over that one minute track and yeah it's it's super competitive so mm-hmm. um 
you know, it depends what kind of tires you're running that day. If you're on stakers or if you're on, you know, some older scrubs, obviously, mm-hmm. but, uh, oh, and Toyos are interesting because I ran on the first day of Lion Rock, I ran some older rear Toyos. Mm-hmm. I think they had like 25 uh, heat cycles on them and I could not get those tires to heat up for, for anything. And mm-hmm. I, I just, I tried and tried and <laughs> like six laps to heat them up and, you know, it's uh, it's an interesting tire, so they definitely have a uh, a life. That's, mm. I mean, know, they last then... they last a good while, but based off of uh, what Jackie was saying, um, I got a durometer gauge, and I've been choosing which tire to put on wh- what corner based on the durometer reading from the outside, middle, and. Uh, inside of the tire to decide where I'm going to be putting them because I've seen just on the batch of tires that I have now from like brand new to used um, a measurement of like low 50 durometer to like almost 70 so I, I can see what you're saying about like it taking forever to warm up a tire yeah, that's something I have to start doing because I have not played with a durometer. I know Dylan has. Mm-hmm. I know he tries matching up his sets of tires, you know, with the, with the durometer. But, yeah, it's something that I really haven't played around with. So, see, it's another thing that, that I can learn and uh, apply. Which yeah. I have a durometer. My father does, actually. Mm-hmm. But I haven't really uh, I haven't played with it. So, that's interesting. That they, do, they do get hard. I, can, I definitely feel it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, just after three events, I mean, it's, it's a long time to get under temperature before they uh, before they hooked up. And then I ran a sticker set, a brand new set, um, on the second day, and I was like, "Whoa!" I mean, night and day. Oh yeah. I went from running a one oh two to a one flat. Damn, two seconds is huge, especially on two the sec- yeah. on the spec car, essentially. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, yeah, it, it's it's wild, and you know. The more and more you get into it, the more you realize how tire management is super key. Obviously, that's something I'm not at where where I would like to be at in terms of pace. I'm still working on uh, getting the car to wait and then eventually building it to spec. But um, yeah, like uh, tire management is uh, extremely key because, um, like like you said, you have your car set up to perform a certain way at the beginning and then as the race goes in it'll, it changes the way that it uh, handles so that you have a setup that's going to work for the long term and I don't know how long your guys' races are but like I was looking back at one of the races that I had with um, what was it Bill Polly, the one that I actually got on the podium because it was only three of us um, and yeah like you know, tire wear and how you manage your tires is a big thing. Cause I think from green flag to checkered, it was almost like high 30 minute race. And that's a right. long time. That's a long time to be out on track. Yes. Yeah. Our, our, um, the first race that we have usually on Saturday is shorter. And then we have a longer race on Sunday. Mm-hmm. So that one can be as long as 40 minutes, you know, and, um, yeah, during that race on a hot day, oh, tire yeah. management becomes really important and um, a lot of a lot of discipline because you have to keep keep your slip angle in a certain window because if you're overdriving that car, 
and it's hot, those front tires go, and then you're going to have a problem if you don't bring that tire back for the rest of the race. Mm-hmm. And you're going to have a very understeery, very frustrating car to drive. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's unfortunately a front-wheel drive you know, issue. I never had that problem with the S2000, but going back to front-wheel drive, it's something that you know needs to be managed. And it takes patience. You, know, you, you want to go faster into corners, but you know you can't. Yeah. And it becomes this game of, you know, preservation. And even, you know, I'm not like an exceptionally qualifier historically. Mm-hmm. I'm really good during the race because I think I'm able to manage my tires reasonably mm-hmm. well. I don't really go crazy in the beginning. And then if I know someone's faster than me, I try to wait until like the halfway mark, maybe like the last third of the race to, to really start reeling them back in. Mm-hmm. <laughs> because a lot of people overdrive. And, um, it's uh it's unfortunately the nature of a front wheel drive car yeah and i mean we we have to be aware of yeah and i mean it's also like a big difference in terms of like setup for what you were using in uh st5 or uh tt5 um i don't know if you did uh time trials but um, yeah I, i did i tried doing both a couple of times yeah but like that that setup change is really big because i mean you're going from a 40 minute setup where you're accounting for tire drop off versus um, you may be out there for maybe only three, four, five laps at most uh, with TT. So yeah, mm-hmm. it, it's, it's very interesting. The, the setup um, dynamics that you need to work with. Yeah. Tire attack is, uh, is a different, different animal. Mm-hmm. When I did it, the, all the guys would show up and they'd have like one, one session in the beginning of the day to really set their fast time. Yeah. And then, and that's, then it. that's it. Yeah. Cause it gets so hot in California. Your guys' temperatures just start rising and everyone knew that you have that one little window in the beginning mm-hmm. of the day. And then they would sit and socialize the rest of the day because <laughs> they knew they couldn't, they couldn't go any quicker. It just got too hot. Yeah, I mean, what does, like, your guys' temperatures out on track get to? Because over here, like, you guys uh, obviously have a winter break, but we have a summer break that we're currently in. uh, Because it's way too damn hot out there. Like, yeah, we have have real issues. Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, our our hot events are usually July and August. Mm -hmm. um, And that's usually, like, Lime Rock and... Um, we have NJMP, but last year, Lime Rock was, was brutal. I, I don't know. It was in the nineties. There were a few people that were suffering. It's, it's humid. California heat is obviously different than, than yeah. East coast. And when I, when I moved from California to the East coast, I was struggling here more than I was out there. And it was only like the mid eighties or low eighties, but the humidity, humidity was super high. Yeah. And, and with it a race suit? Me. Yeah, no. Like, with the race suit, it just makes it even worse. Oh. Forget yeah. about it, yeah. And, yeah, those are those are our tough uh, tough months, July and August. Uh, you got to just stay hydrated. I finally got a cool suit. Ooh, um, nice. Which I, y'all, I had the... <laughs> the okay. okay. It came with the S2000 when I bought it. Uh... I bought the S2000 as a TT car. And uh, the gentleman had the cool suit system in there. I took it off and I put it on a shelf. And I said, who needs a cool suit? You know. And, uh, yeah, so I did the season last year. And it was, like, super hot. We went through these, like, hot months, Lime Rock and and, Mm -hmm. and Jersey. And then going into this year, I had a major problem with uh, with making weight in the Integra. Oh. 
And yeah, yeah I can't relate. So, <laughs> and uh, I have the opposite problem you do. The car was built for H1, mm-hmm. so I was um, significantly lighter. And um, I, I don't know the exact weight I was at, like 2,500. Wow. Somewhere, somewhere yeah, because you need to be oh, yeah. at 27, right? 2750. Woo! <laughs> 2750. And a, a couple of things were, were lightened on the car mm-hmm. uh, over over the winter when we were rebuilding it after the bad fire mm-hmm. that we had. So we weighed in at 2,222 um, when we were done with the car. 2350 with me in it. And now we're thinking, uh-oh. How are we going to get to 2750? And you know, there's a there's a limit of 250 pounds of ballast you can put in the car. So that yeah. puts us nowhere close to our. So we're like, okay, we got to start putting stuff in. And that's when the cool suit came in because I saw, uh. oh, we can put a cool suit in. We'll put a you know we we put an AGM battery that weighs 65 pounds in the right rear of the car. Um, so that's like 65 pounds right there. And you know we we put the door panels back in. Um, I was, we were joking around that we're going to put the, the speakers back. Oh, no, speakers are actually in the door. I'm sorry. Oh, the speakers. <laughs> oh yeah. The you got speakers a subwoofer? back in the door. And I'm just a few wires, you know, shy of hooking up a head unit in there. At this oh point. boy. Yeah. And it took that much to, to get the car back to weight. And uh, this is the reason why I put the cool suit in there. And I tried it for the first time. Mm-hmm. I was I was so impressed by, by, by the suit. I hardly broke a sweat halfway through the race. And usually I had like sweat coming down my eyebrows, you know, and mm-hmm. it just kind of gets in your eyes. You get a little stinging. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I was like, wow, why did I wait so long to, <laughs> to get a cool suit? And um, now I, I don't even, I don't race without it. Just, yeah. you know, when you're doing a 40-minute race, at the end of the race, I mean, you're, you're, your core temperature is pretty high. You're spent, yeah. And I feel like I'm a lot fresher and I'm a lot, um, you know, less, I have to exert way less energy, you know, wearing, wearing the cool suit. So I don't know. I was really stubborn. I didn't really want one. I said, if I need a cool suit, I shouldn't be racing, but it, it, makes, a big <laughs> difference. it makes a big difference. And I encourage anybody, you know, that's racing to, to buy one because it's no joke. I mean, we're, uh, we're exposed to a lot of heat and yeah. it, it helps with focus deep in the race. It definitely helps with focus. You definitely make less mistakes. Yeah. I mean, what I've been doing right now, just because uh, budgetary restrictions is um, I get the ice packs from like the CVS, the little blue ones. And I put mm-hmm. those um, to chill overnight. And then the day of the race, I just shove them into my suit and uh, zip it up and a, uh, I have like two big old numb areas, but you know, it, it helps keep the core temperature down, which is kind of key. So you stick them in inside your suit. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Yeah. That, that's gotta be super cold. Yeah. At, at beginning I'm like, holy shit. <laughs> so I yeah. Mean, yeah. I, mean, I guess same, same result. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah no like i get two of those they're little they're not that big but i'm, I'm kind of chunky so the little side I, I got the little side dimples underneath the rib cage so i shove them in mm-hmm. there zo- su- uh zip up the suit and then i'm like okay whoo the shock is that's, there that's so hardcore <laughs> no that's so broke man 
<laughs> I wish I could do a cool suit. I, I, I'd be excited about that. But yeah, nah, like a cool suit would definitely be uh, something, especially once I go H2, which is, well, once everybody like tries to jump into H2, I'll, I'll jump into it and then the weight issue is not going to be that big of a thing because right now I'm still about a hundred, probably like 120 pounds over on mm -hmm. my bare minimum because last time I raced I was at 2350 and I'm supposed to be at 2200. But now I took mm -hmm. the power steering off, weighed a bunch of the stuff, so that's like about 16 pounds that I've taken out. So mm -hmm. I, I have to figure out where to get a little bit more weight out of it. But I, I think I'm going to be stuck at about maybe at best like 2280. But then I also have the issue of like my fiance is racing in a time trials. So she weighs like 50 pounds lighter than I do. So if I, I mean, I, I don't know how much lighter I can get the car, but um she might like run into some issues currently, no issues, but yeah, like it, it, it's hard to compete with the Integras when I'm still that heavy. Like, yeah. Yeah. I, I went crazy with mine trying to find weight. Mm -hmm. um, I actually took the whole har dash harness out and I went wire by wire and removed all the un unused wires that I didn't need. I took all the fuses out that I didn't need. Yeah. This is like looking back, I was like, why am I just, yeah, there's a whole different way, but you know, at the time, it did reduce a lot of weight. I mean, it, for it, sure, it, it equated to it equated to I don't know, like okay, a lot. Okay, it's like seven pounds or something like that. I don't know what it was, but like total harness, everything, you know, all these wires, it was like seven pounds, mm. and that was way more than I thought it would be. I um, mean, that that's a significant amount if you're just thinking on wiring alone. Like not even hard things, so yeah. Yeah, it was like the the loom, the like these grounds and stuff, and mm -hmm. and all that, and then you know you do some sound deadening removal, um, that reduces a, a ton of weight. Yeah, and then you just really have to start scraping for like little things. I I, I actually ground off all the anchor points for like the seat belts in the back. You know where the stock uh, belts. Oh yeah, to? I, I got the. Stuff. I I got the drill bit for the spot well remover. So right. um, I'll be taking uh, the two that are on the wheel humps on the back and then the middle one. I mean, I, at most, if I get like maybe four pounds out of that, I'll be extremely happy. I, I don't think it'll be four pounds, but that and yeah. I'm taking the windshield wiper motor out and the wipers and everything out. So that'll be done before my test day with Carlos. But Yeah, you guys can do that in California. Mm -hmm. for sure windshield wipers off we can't do that out here i mean i'm, I'm still actually, gonna have to have, do yeah I, i'll probably do like rain x or something or wax the front uh windshield which i've done in in the past with my car and it does help uh bead the the water off so i, I know that that does work just like the fogging part will probably be something that i'd have to get that uh shaving cream to oh yeah, so, yeah, that, it works. Shaving, <clears throat> shaving cream works. I learned that from Jackie. Yeah, Jackie yeah. Jackie was the one that told me, like, she she was like, oh, dude, just get the, the like, 99-cent store, Barnabelle or whatever, and just use yeah. that. That that works. 
I mean, dude. After, I was shocked. <laughs> hey, man, sometimes, you know, just because a product is designed for one thing doesn't mean that it can't do another thing. And, I mean, I got it the rear uh, window uh, motor, and I just put a bolt through the hole because on the EGs, mm-hmm. the windshield wiper uh, arm is what bolts the thing together. So I just ended up putting a bolt through it so I could still keep the latch on there. But, yeah, man, uh, trying to find a weight is is hard on these cars, and it gives me an appreciation for how well Honda built them because, like, I look at the entire eight power steering system, and it's, like, 16 pounds. And yeah. AC system was, like, 27 pounds, and I'm like, could you imagine saying to somebody, hey, for 27 pounds, would you take an air conditioning unit for your entire vehicle? It's like, yeah, that weighs nothing. Like, for sure. And just, uh, yeah, it's a testament to how well Honda built these cars. And how, like, even in the minutest detail, like, you're looking for weight and it's so hard to get it off because it's like, man, there's just not a lot of weight in these cars. Yeah. Well, you're trying to get to a really low minimum weight because the engine you're running. Yeah. You have like an exceptional challenge. <clears throat> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I don't know. I, I, I've talked to a lot of people. There's people who uh, keep telling me that it's probably not the right engine uh, to run. The B18B1 is uh, pretty much the one to go with. And it would have been an easier button. I, I do agree with that. Um, but there's something about being lightweight, especially when everybody else is, uh, heavier that I feel like on shorter tracks, more technical tracks, it, it can play dividends and for better or worse, that's the, uh, that's the strategy that I'm going to go with. And so far, you know, we'll, we'll see what it does. I still have a lot of room to grow. I mean, I still, Yeah, I mean, I, I still have an open diff. Like, no, the factory transmission is in there for 313,000 miles. That's still the same transmission. It's still cooking. Wow. Wow. Yeah, open diff is, that's that's a tough one. And no final that's drive. costing you a, and no. <laughs> <laughs> well. Yeah, I got a 4.2 or a 4.3 in this thing stock. So, yeah, that's why I'm struggling. That's why I suck in in, uh, Honda Challenge. But, you know, in overall standings, just from going to the um, events that I have been, um, I'm sixth overall. So, you know, with all these things going against me, it's, it's kind of a wonder that I'm even close to the top five, that's kind of ridiculous, I think. Well, by going through the weight struggle, you're actually setting yourself up for a, a pretty good, like, future of potential of the chassis because you're going to be so light, no matter what engine you put in there afterwards, you're going to have to add weight. Mm-hmm. And um, it'll balance your car out nicely because it goes on the passenger side and, mm-hmm. you know, form a ballast and you're able to balance the car. I'm like a, I'm like a freak about balancing and, Mm-hmm. I corner balance my car constantly. I'm always doing alignments of the track. You know, just these little, mm-hmm. little, little things that I'm obsessed with. But um, I like that. It's gonna. Help. Yeah. I I mean I I've recently started to do my own alignments, mainly because I'm cheap. 
but also like you know i don't i don't know it it feels like i can't really trust like your normal shop that just sets it to quote unquote green and you're good i mean yeah. like when it comes to toe i love to run zero toe so my degree of freedom between the front and rear of the wheel is less than uh half a millimeter so i mean in terms of like each toe for each wheel so i'm i'm within like less than half a millimeter for a toe yeah i mean you can do a great <laughs> job with the strings mm-hmm. you know i mean that's all you really need i mean i have like the least fanciest uh, alignment setup ever i mean i have four jack stands with like you know with strings that I bring to the track with me. And then even if it's my cell phone scale, you know, just for camber or like a, uh, just a regular, you know, bubble scale, uh, for, for camber. And that's about it. That's what I literally do the car with every single event. And I'm, I don't pay a shop to do it because I, my alignment setting is different for every single event. So if I'm running line rock, yeah. And it's constantly changing. So every event I'm running a different alignment. Mm-hmm. You run more negative and, camber, less negative camber for certain tracks. It makes sense. Yeah, yeah, and it's also it also saves tires because you know That's if you have like huge. Yeah, and it, it saves money. Yeah. Otherwise, I'd be chewing up uh, tires, you know, more frequently, and we don't need that. It's a, no. Racing has become so expensive uh, yeah. in the last few years, and you know, it's uh, everyone's feeling it. So mm-hmm. I'm just trying to figure out a way how to make these tires last as long as possible. Yeah, I, I mean, I, for the longest time, I think in, until this last event, I was on scrub tires. So it was just like, what was it? Whatever the other Honda Challenge guys were like, oh, this is uh, cooked. I'm like, oh, that sounds like tires for me. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, for like a while, uh, I was able to find uh, a kind of a unicorn size which I was running the 225.50s, which is what everybody here runs uh, for the 15s. And I was able to find the 225.45.15s off of Facebook Marketplace for $125 for a full set. They were used, but still, that that was like my set that I was learning on. And yeah, like the improvement and, you know, Chris Michaels said it like best, like going from a, to a 50 series to a 45 series was like going from a 4.7 final drive to a 4.9 and uh, uh, like Big Willow uh, at the Omega section before with the 50 series sidewall I was having to take it in second gear and now I'm able to hold it in third and kind of like just chuck it a little bit more to keep it in the power band but it's hard I definitely have uh, I feel like I'm I'm driving kind of like constantly at above my comfort zone to try and keep this car uh, moving. But I, I think that in the end, it's going to pay more dividends because instead of having something that, you know, is fully built and then me being off pace and going like, well, it's all me. Now I can kind of use racer excuses and say it's the car. <laughs> I mean, it's all about trying different, mm-hmm. you know, different sizes, different uh, diameters. I mean, diameters, widths. You know, you got to try everything and see what works for what tracks. You know, and then find mm-hmm. that happy, you know, that happy medium that kind of works all around. And you know, you can get crazy with. You can go with, you know, having a different gear ratio for for every track. But that's beyond most of our uh, what we want to do. <laughs> oh yeah. Racing. 
Yeah, definitely. Um, so yeah, the tires, I mean, that, that's a great way to, to adjust your shift points. Um, you know, so some tracks even here, like I'll run out of gear and, um, you know, like my first thought is, well, can I put a larger diameter tire on there mm-hmm. or can I put a smaller diameter tire? And, um, you know, so I can, I shift sooner. So mm-hmm. I have a little bit more gear mm-hmm. before I have to uh, make that shift. So mm-hmm. yeah, it's one of those, uh, quick and you know simple adjustments you can make, I guess. Yeah. And you touched on, um, the fire that happened. And I mean, I'll be honest, I don't think any other Honda challenge person, um, saw that fire um that happened with you and didn't go okay we are investing in the fire suppression system because holy shit that was scary um so if you are comfortable i'd I'd like to talk about that whole incident that you had with the integra because i mean for those that don't know before um you started this race season that integra was not um ready to go it had a lot of work that needed to go through it so yeah yeah so my father was actually driving mm-hmm. um, that day and it was a, it was a tough weekend because there were two separate fires that happened because mark Petronas's um fire happened that weekend mm-hmm. with the with the vet you know and we most of us know his story mm-hmm. and then uh, our car burned down and it was kind of like a wake up call on, Hey, like we really got to do some of the fire suppression system. Mm-hmm. Um, we're only required to have uh, like a handheld bottle, you know, and mm-hmm. that's, that's, that'll suffice. And it actually saved me a few times because I had to put out very specific fires. Like let's say in the left rear wheel well in the S 2000, which mm-hmm. a fire suppression system really wouldn't be directed in that. Yeah, direction. exactly. You can't you focus know? it. So, yeah, you can't point it in the direction you want to, or the piece you want to put out. So we decided we're going to run both. Mm-hmm. Um, so we run uh, a full fire suppression system. We have it can be activated and from two locations. But I also kept a handheld because, from experience, it's helped me on numerous occasions to not have to lessly deploy the main system, but really just focus on a very particular area and yeah. it's just really convenient and it's right there. So yeah, it's I probably wouldn't have got the the whole system if it wasn't for that fire. But mm. you know, you have a whole different outlook, you know. I mean my father was very fortunate, you know, he was coming mm. down the straightaway and uh, you know, the thing just just caught up in, in flames. He got out relatively quickly, but if you were an accident, you get knocked out, you know, and then yeah, what do you do? That's terrifying. That is really um, terrifying. Yeah, and you, so, you know, um, the footage that you got, I mean, that was such a freaking, like, um, I don't have the word for it, but it was just, like, so intense, the, the footage that you had about the fire, because most of the time when you think of a fire, especially like on our front wheel drive cars, you're thinking, oh, it's coming from the engine bay. But for you, it happened in the rear. It, yeah, it started in the engine. Um, it was a, it was an oil fire, mm-hmm. but then when the car came to a stop on the, on the grass on the side of the, you know, the track, my father, you know, he, he didn't have any control of it. Once the oil spilled down, oh, yeah. you, know, you can't see anything. Uh, you know, it was just a fireball. So mm-hmm. like 
it, the car gets parked luckily on the side and the grass caught the gas tank on fire and that's oh. where the fire jumped from the front of the car to the rear oh. and um once that tank you know lit i mean it's not like it explodes like in the movies you know it just no. slowly just like keeps you know fuel on the fire in the back and we um we that, that fire went on for a while and they couldn't put it out um finally when they did i mean half the car was pretty much burnt pretty badly and it was from i would say the driver's seat back so everything that was from the driver's seat back was was a total loss you know inside i mean um but the dashboard forward minus like a burnt harness um the engine was still good and a lot of the components were still good and after that fire we, we parked the car for for a while you know you don't we didn't want to touch it mm-hmm. um but you know here we are a year later the car is, is back better than ever uh, my father put a lot of work into that car over the winter time you know he felt really bad about even though it really wasn't his fault it's just no he, he... but he put some time in that car like he spent a lot of weekends um uh, just he was the one who initiated the, the whole repair process. You know, mm-hmm. he started taking the, the vinyl off. And he's like, you know what? It's not that bad. We can, we can save this car. And, uh, you know, the more we started to peel away at it, the, the more motivated we got. And that's such yeah, an we got aw- the car back. That's such an awesome story. And, I mean, like, w- people on Instagram will, will see who maybe haven't seen you where you came from in terms of, like, what it took to get there. And we'll be like, oh, you know, of course, this car is going to be dope. It's everything's done nice to it. Bunch of money's been dumped into it. But it's like, no, there's been a lot of work and it almost didn't make it. And, you know, the amount of testing that you've done, I mean, the fact that you have different alignment setups for different tracks, like those are the little things that people, I think, don't appreciate as much of like, how much work goes into, you know, your setup, your racing um, program and everything involved there. Like most people will go out there and say like, you know, from our region, Carlos is like pretty dominant at, uh, at some of the tracks, but it's like, you know, he's driving it at the limit. And when you see them done at the race, it's like, the cars up on jack stands. They're bleeding brakes. They're doing nut and bolt checks. They're they're going through the car, and it's like, you know, it, it takes that much work to be up on top, or mm-hmm. to be competitive. And you know, it, it it's it's the part that doesn't really get a voice as much. And hopefully, with the podcast, it does now. So, yeah, it's not that easy, guys. You, you have to work on it. It's and then after that, you have to work on it some more. So yeah, yeah, that's the way it works. That you race it, you, you break something almost every time, you mm-hmm. know. And then you got to work on it to bring it back for the get it ready for the next event. Yeah, and, make uh, sure you it have takes a lot of spares. A lot of time. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> See, we're not good at that yet. I mean, you know. <laughs> We have to bring a plenty of spares. So I have this like list of uh, spares I want to bring with me to mm-hmm. like uh, be more efficient uh, mm-hmm. at changing parts of the track. And it's something that I've always wanted to do. And I think that this year we're really going to get good at it. Mm-hmm. Um, there, there's a few people that are very efficient. Um, mm-hmm. I think, was it Rob Kreider from like California? And when he was racing, he had everything like, 
he had all these articles he published and everything was always like super specific, you know, and it's like, mm-hmm. Hey, you know, I kind of want to do something like that. You know? No, but, you, you, you know, got to give him props it, for that. I mean, he, um, had that whole setup of like, you know, spare parts and how to swap things out. So yeah, no, just a system, you know, mm-hmm. and it's, um, again, it's, you keep bringing something to the table until you have a really good package. And, Mm -hmm. you know, one of the things that we don't have um, figured out yet are the parts, you know, having a hub, let's say ready to go. So if we do something and we, we bend, you know, you know, an arm or something in the front end, we can just swap the whole thing out. We don't have to worry about, or a bearing goes bad. We don't have to worry about pulling a bearing at the track. We can just like throw the whole, you know, knuckle on there. And mm-hmm. uh, just just be done with it, you know. Things like that that save time because the more I do this, the more I realize that time is my biggest enemy. Yeah, I mean, um, they're just yeah, yeah. Like prepping for the track, and that's something that I'm doing a little bit of. I'm gonna be doing more of it as I get more and more comfortable with it. But stuff like um, like you're saying, like the whole hub assembly, um, having the hub and knuckle with a new bearing and the ARP studs already pressed in having those spares. So that if something happens and you have a bad wheel bearing and it's messing up, guess what? Boom. Knock out that, uh, 19 at the bottom and 17 at the top, put a new one in there, retorque it. You're set to go. So yeah, like I, I would, That's it. yeah, I would love to have that. And then, um, like, Obviously, I've been memorizing most of the torque specs for um, for the car, and usually for stuff around that knuckle, it's around 43 or 47 foot-pounds of torque. So I, I kind of have those things mer- memorized, but I'd love to have, like, the two front knuckles, the two rear trailing arms, like, ready to go, like spares, just slam, just in case. Because, you know, there are sometimes there's race incidents or... You may lose it and hit a wall, and you may be down for one race, but you can still come back for the next one. Yeah, and the nice thing with the, like the Northeast, like some you know, a lot of these guys bring spare parts to the track, mm-hmm. and everyone's willing to lend you. Oh yeah, something from their car or something that they have off mm-hmm. the track. I mean, seriously, if someone has it, they will give it to you. Oh, to, for sure. To borrow to make sure everybody makes it to that you know starting grid. It's mm-hmm. just unbelievable. You know, if we can bring something to the table, you know, and exactly. have these, these parts ready to go, then, you know, obviously if anybody needs it and it can save their weekend, then, sure. you know, it's, it's a success, you know, at that point. So, yeah, it's, it's something that like, it's, it's on my to-do list right now. Mm-hmm. It's probably something I'm going to be working on real soon just to mm-hmm. make sure I have everything covered. And there are a lot of K-series guys that are coming up now. So H2 is like, you know, split between B-series and K-series now and, you know, a lot of the parts are interchangeable between the B guys and then yeah. obviously the K guys. So we need to. There's a there's a big pool of these series <laughs> parts, but the K series we're still we're still working on that one. So. Yeah, I mean, there's some like specialty things like coils and whatnot that when they fail or if they fail, like those are like good things to have um, have around, especially for like the K series. Um, but yeah, like yeah. throttle position sensors, mm-hmm. uh, just think things like that. Yeah, like the, the failure points, yeah. And how is it with uh junkyards over there? Because I, I, you know, short of Facebook Marketplace and the junkyards, that's like my biggest sponsor right now for my car. <laughs> yeah, yeah, there, there are a few good ones. Um, 
parts are out there, mm-hmm. especially K twenty fours. There's like a ton of K twenty fours everywhere. Mm-hmm. So oh, like the Accord a, and CRVs. Yeah. 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 I mean, they're they're all over the place, and that's probably the way I should have went. If I wanted to <laughs> be on a bus, if anything happens to my engine, I probably might go, you know, in that direction. Well, I mean, you don't so cheap. You don't have to worry about making weight then. You can easily get down to that weight uh, necessary for those engines. Uh, yeah, yeah, actually, yep. Yeah. I think I'm the heaviest, or next to heaviest. I'm the heaviest car for sure. Like for on, sure. In the, in the lineup right now because I'm at mm-hmm. 2750. Mm-hmm. Um, so I am at least 150 pounds uh, heavier than, than anybody else. Mm-hmm. But I haven't, I don't really feel it as much as um, I, I was worried that I would. Mm-hmm. I don't know if that has to do something with the suspension or, you know, just like distributing it properly. But I was I was worried about the weight just not working at all. <laughs> of at course, all with, with this setup, that's a lot. That's the most we've ever had in, a, in an Integra. And I'm, I'm, uh, I was like, oh gosh. Yeah, I mean, like, dude, <laughs> you're you're doing essentially something that's kind of been untested in that series uh, for what you're doing. So yeah, of course you're going to be <laughs> nervous. It makes sense. I mean, going underweight is one thing, but going overweight, that's like a huge like x factor of like what's this going to do to tires or wheel bearings or what have you but from what it seems like man it looks like you you got a solid plan and i'll be cheering you on i i love seeing all of your videos your 360 camera is so dope i love seeing those videos man like dude everything you're doing i'm a big fan of and i'm just happy that you finally got the time and I, i was able to get you on this podcast appreciate it yeah man so with that being said um what are the plans for the future um on the build um on the integra i think i'm I'm really happy with the setup that i have now so i'm probably going to continue to maximize the h you know and keep it an h2 mm-hmm. um and then with the S2000, I have some plans for the winter. Ooh. I'm going to be going with a J35. Ooh. So, That's yeah, we got. <laughs> and, you know, as I kind of mentioned earlier, the S2000 has been, uh, been like a dream car. And yeah. I think the only thing is I, I love the engine. I, it's an AP1. It's high revving. It's mm-hmm, fun mm-hmm, to drive. Mm-hmm. But it does lack. A, you know torque, torque and yeah. i just want to see what the car's potential is with a bigger engine that has torque and it's just something i want to do and i think that's going to be the next step for the winter uh, yeah. is to focus on the s2000 and i mean it's a it's a platform that would work i, I think uh one of the gltc racers uh, the kelly's or whatnot um mm-hmm. ran uh the j35 so and from what they were saying, I, I forget, but that you could still get like the blocks from Honda for stupid cheap, like a factory yeah. block or something dumb like that. I was like, wait, how much? And I'm like, ah, I must have misheard him. I, I can't hear hundreds of dollars. But yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'll see. I'll see where that goes. But that's for me. You know, I don't really care about what class it's going to be in. I don't really care, you know, 
MMA sort of rules. I mean, that's what the Integra is really it's built around the class. But mm-hmm. I just want a car that I can just have fun with. You know, I can just take to to the track and just see, you know, see how fast I can go, honestly, and not have to worry about fitting in any sort of rule set. So that's my fun car. Awesome, man. I am so happy that I finally got a chance to talk to you, uh, Ronnie. Like, dude, it, it's been a blast. I love all the content, love the Integra build. I'm definitely going to be bugging you for uh, vinyl stuff for when I um, finally uh, move on with my livery on my EG. I've been planning this for a good while. Uh, I'm probably going to be sourcing a new hood or a new fender for for the car so that I, I don't have like such wavy pieces of bacon as uh, body panels. But yeah, man, like if you guys aren't already following uh, Track Monsters on Instagram, you are doing yourself a disservice. I really enjoy all the content this person makes. And of course, from Northeast, Track Monsters, man. Thank you for coming on. Thank you, Hami, for having me on. It's been a pleasure. Yeah. Is there any other socials that you want to promote or anything else you want to promote or say? No, not really. You know, I'm just having fun with uh, doing some, you know, coverage. You know, the Honda Challenge Series, actually, you know, NASA events really aren't, they don't have the the coverage that they really deserve. You know, we have so much going on here Mm -hmm. and there's so many stories that are not told that I'm just trying to do my part, you know, and uh, just kind of exposing what, what's going on here. So just if you follow track monsters, you know, I'm going to keep posting uh, new, uh, you know, new videos and more content. And um, if you have any suggestions, let me know because I love doing it. So awesome, man. And with that guys, we'll see you next Monday. Thank you. Thank you.